0: Welcome to the Renaissance Church Podcast. Our mission is to glorify God and to make disciples by bringing the gospel into all of life in all the earth. This is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church here in Richmond, Texas. And if you've not joined us in a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we would love to have you join us. You can find out more information at rin churchorg And I pray that you are encouraged and edified by the proclamation of God's word today. We are in a series called You're Invited, and what we're doing is talking about the power of an invitation. Uh, The first week, uh, I shared on what difference does it make, and I talked about how an invitation that I received in high school led me down the wrong path for a few years. And maybe some of you have some stories like that. You kind of went down the wrong path for a while, and probably someone along the way said, hey, come on and join us. And you're like, okay. But then we talked about the power of the right invitation. When someone invites you into the kingdom of God, into the church, into an experience where you get to be in the presence of God's people and how that changes our lives. And then last week, we talked about who cares. That, that was the title of the sermon. And, and what I, if you remember, we, we talked about how the Father cares so much that the the banquet is filled. We looked at a parable of Jesus, where the Father wants the banquet to be filled. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what could stop you. That's the title of this message. What could stop you? Now, have you ever uh, given an awkward invitation before? Or have you ever been the recipient of an awkward invitation before? Probably so. Uh, When I was uh, graduated from college, I was working for a college ministry. I was leading worship. So I was like, Jason up here playing this guitar, room full of college students at Texas State University. And the most beautiful blonde haired girl walks in the back door. And like heaven shone a light on her. She was up in this like kind of balcony area. And I'm leading worship and I'm trying to focus on Jesus, but I'm like, wow. Her name was Casey, and I did what, what you do when you have an interest in somebody, and you're super awkward. Hello. We had all gone down to Sewell Park in San Marcos, Texas. We were playing sand volleyball, and I was trying to break the ice, and so I did something really dumb. We had kind of gone the rotation where we were both, we are faced off against one another, like on, like on the, the, the court, you know? And I went up to the net and I was like, oh, this net reeks. It is, oh, it smells terrible. And then she came forward to smell it and I pushed it into her face. Oh. <laughs> That's so dumb. Why would you ever do that? And she looks at me, her first words were, you're mean. And I was like, uh, Sorry. (laughs) Tried to recover. And uh, later on, some of us were going to go dancing at Green Hall. Have y'all been to Green Hall before? Oh yeah, it's a special place for us. And uh, so I did the whole like, hey, so like some friends are going to be going to Green Hall later. You're, You're going? I might go, and then of course you walk away, and you're like, I might go, like I'm, I'm definitely going. Like, why did I say? So you had all those like awkward things, and praise God, like His grace is real. Like it worked out. We got married. We have three beautiful boys. Okay, so if you're one of those awkward people that have awkward invitations, okay, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be okay. And I was thinking about how uh, easily it is, it is for us to be derailed in the giving of an invitation. How. Awkward it can be. And I I was thinking of a story uh, in John chapter 4. If you want to start turning there, we're going to be looking at the story of the woman at the well. And what I want to do is deliver this a little bit differently than I normally preach a sermon. I just want to walk through the story and think about all the ways the invitation could have gone wrong. What could have stopped the invitation? Before we do that, um, in October of 22, Barna did a survey of 2,000 US adults, and 74% of these respondents said they wanted to grow spiritually. And 77% of them said that they believe in a higher power. Some of them, they, they would say it's God or something else, but they believe in a higher power. And 44% say that they are more open to God today than they were before the pandemic. This was in October of 22, which is so interesting to me that there's been this kind of this shift. There's a The, the, the title of the article was the, it's the rising spiritual openness in America. And there seems to be... And openness. In fact, uh, in the study, they found that um, teens have been incredibly open, like maybe more open than ever. Uh, David Kinneman writes this. He says, in a culture that has generally downgraded the reputation of Christians and relegated Sunday worship and other church-related activities to the sidelines of society, teens remain refreshingly open to Jesus as an influence in their lives. Wow. And so we have this openness to the kingdom of God, to Jesus, to God. And yet, as people who are extending the invitation, we feel the awkwardness. We feel like me saying, this net stinks, right? And we feel like we're going to say something dumb and we're going to ruin the whole thing. And so I just want to think about what could stop you when it comes to giving an invitation, so, John chapter four. If you know the story, it's a familiar story. Have y'all seen the chosen? The, there's a chosen episode around this story. It's really creatively done, and it's uh, it's a story that's full of life changing truths. And I promise, I cannot do justice to all of them in this message. But I want us to consider it through the lens of invitation. And so, I'm going to start in verse 27. Here's what it says, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. "'Don't you say there are still four more months "'and then comes the harvest? "'Listen to what I'm telling you. "'Open your eyes and look at the fields "'because they are ready for harvest. "'The reaper is already receiving pay "'and gathering fruit for eternal life "'so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together.'" For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Verse 39. So here's what happens after the woman at the well. It says, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said, and they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves, and know that this really is the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this incredible story, and we have this woman at the well. And what I want to do is just walk us through the story. And I was joking with the team earlier that what I really need is like a wingback chair and a pipe and a little lamp over my shoulder. And I would say, friends, come close. And we're going to walk through the sh- Okay, that's so this kind of, so as, I was just going to, I'm just going to share some, some things with you. So just picture me in the wingback chair with my pipe burning, Okay the Samaritan woman had come to the well in the middle of the day, probably hoping to get water without seeing anyone from town. She had a past, five ex-husbands, and her current man was not her husband. This likely created a cloud of disrespect, a constant shadow over her in the eyes of the townspeople. The men would talk as men talk the women would talk as women talk and she would go to the well alone in the middle of the day it was on this day that Jesus had calendared a divine appointment at Jacob's well while the woman may have successfully avoided everyone else she could not avoid him Jesus had sent his disciples away to get some food, likely because he knew that when she arrived, they might have stopped the invitation that he would give. And he knew that he would have to talk to her very frankly and very honestly about her past. The interaction began with Jesus making a simple request for a drink. The woman asked how he, a Jew, could ask a Samaritan for a drink. Would history of racial tension stop this invitation? Jesus masterfully sidesteps the question, and he told her that if she knew the gift of God and who he was, she would actually ask him for a drink. Intrigued by the response, she questioned how he might fetch this water since he had no bucket and the well was deep. She reminded him that their father Jacob had built the well and had given it to her people. You aren't greater than him, are you? She asked with a hint of superiority. Would politics stop this invitation? Jesus, unfazed by the question, began to tell her about living water. He told her that whoever drank from Jacob's well would get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the living water that he would give would never thirst again. In fact, Jesus told her the water that he would give would actually become a well inside of her that would spring up to eternal life. This sounded fantastic to a woman carrying a heavy water jar back and forth to the well every single day. Sir, give me this water. Go call your husband and come back here, Jesus responded. I imagine her face fell when she said, I don't have a husband. Would shame stop this invitation? Jesus affirmed her response, and then he prophetically pressed in by telling her that not only did she not have a husband, but that she'd had five husbands, and the one she was currently with was not her husband. Would sin exposure stop this invitation? Perhaps a bit stunned, she shifts the subject just a little. Sir, I I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Would religion stop this invitation? Jesus assured her that an hour was coming that this matter would become moot and the true worshipers would worship the Father in spirit. And in truth, she remarked that the Messiah would be coming and that he would explain everything. And here Jesus reveals his true identity to a Samaritan woman with a checkered past. I, the one speaking to you, am he. Wow. The disciples arrive and they're amazed that Jesus is speaking with a woman. Would a social norm stop the invitation? They'd already seen enough to know that Jesus was out of the box, so they didn't say a word about it. But as they arrived, she left without her water jar. Would a daily routine stop the invitation? Something had shifted in the heart of this woman, something miraculous had already happened. It was not parlor trick prophecy. It was a life-changing encounter with Messiah Jesus. And the woman went to the well in the middle of the day to avoid people. That very same woman walks back into the village to the people to tell them, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. And when she said it, she pulls four cards out of her cloak that look just like this. It's crazy. And she said, you're invited. Come and see. Perhaps her excitement caused her to slightly exaggerate Because she says, He told me everything I ever did. And Jesus didn't tell her everything she ever did, but maybe the things that He told her felt like everything to her. Would an excitedly imperfect testimony stop the invitation? On top of that, she had only just met Jesus. What if they started asking her questions? Would an incomplete understanding stop the invitation? Yet something about her invitation piques their curiosity when she says, could this be the Messiah? In the meantime, the disciples urge Jesus to eat something. Would missing a meal stop the invitation? Jesus assures them he's already stuffed. His food is to do the will of the Father. And Jesus is feasting at this very moment. In fact, he tells them to open their eyes and to see what was really happening. Would their dullness stop the invitation? He tells them that the harvest is ready. The time has come. They were about to get the full benefit of someone else's work. And the harvest was plentiful. Many believed in him because of her words. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. The people didn't want Jesus to leave, so Jesus and the disciples actually had to get an Airbnb for two nights in sit car, not cheap. So Jesus stayed and he taught them about the kingdom of God. And he told them that they were invited to. And many more believed because of his invitation. It turns out that everyone who had shared that earthly well was really thirsty for the heavenly one. And at the end, they paid the woman the highest compliment an inviter could ever receive. We no longer believe because of what you said, since we've heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the world. So of all the people that Jesus could have picked for a divine appointment, he picks a Samaritan woman with a past. In the summer of 1995, on the side of a mountain in Colorado, he picked me. Many of you here have a story like that. And you know Jesus picked you too. But maybe for some of you here, someone here today, it's your day. And Jesus has picked this room here on a Sunday morning in Richmond, Texas, and it's your well. He set up a divine appointment with you. And he's offering you living waters new life by believing in him. And the question is, what could stop you? Whatever your sins are, whatever your history is, it's not too much for the one who laid his sinless, perfect life down on that Roman cross whose body was torn, whose blood was spilled to wash you clean. He's the one who rose from the dead and came out of that tomb on the third day proving that the victory had been won and all of his chosen people would be saved and you're invited to. To every one of us who has been given a new life and a new heart by Jesus who have tasted those living waters, what could stop us from getting his invitation out? Shame? daily routines, our past reputation, an imperfect testimony, an incomplete knowledge of the Bible, social norms, what could stop you? Really, the only thing that could ever stop you is you getting hung up on you. And maybe today, we just need to be reminded that Jesus was hung up to deal with the things that have hung us up, to free us from those things that hang us up on ourselves. The challenge that we've been laying out over these last few weeks is that each of us would invite four people to Renaissance over the fall. It could be any Sunday. We're not having one special Sunday where you bring all your friends or anything like that. It's literally just a regular invite by regular people saying you're invited to. Please do not do any marketing for our church. I want you to hear that. This is not a marketing campaign. There's no spiel, there's no schmooze, there's no promises of what's gonna happen when you come to our church. It's literally just saying, we want you to know you're invited. To say to four people, you're invited, and to pray for two kinds of people that are in your life. Those that who have not heard about this, who have not encountered Jesus the way that the woman at the well encountered Jesus, the way that I encountered Jesus, hopefully the way that you've encountered Jesus. To pray for those that are unreached and to pray for those that are disconnected from the body of Christ. Those are the ones that we're pursuing, and the ones that we're praying for. I'm not asking you to go invite all the people that you know from another church somewhere. Please don't do that, okay? That's not a kingdom win. That's just like reshuffling the deck around, okay? We're not not interested in that. What we're interested in seeing more and more people know that they're invited into what Jesus has offered them. I picked the number four because four is challenging, okay? It's not a magic number. If you want to do eight, praise God, okay? But four is challenging. And four invitations mean four faith steps. And every time we take a faith step, even the smallest faith step, we grow spiritually. I don't want us to forget the words of Jesus when he says, open your eyes, look at the fields, because they are are ready. And I think in your life, there are people that the Lord is saying they are ready. They're ready. And maybe somebody will give you the highest compliment that an inviter could ever receive. I no longer believe because of what you said since I have heard from myself and know that this really is the Savior of the world. So as we close, um, I want us to do a couple of things. First is I don't want to miss the opportunity to minister to one another. Because if we're honest, all of us get hung up on things about ourselves. You get hung up on you. And there's something powerful about taking... Uh, time with another believer just to say, I'm getting hung up on shame. I'm getting hung up on insecurity. I feel like I don't know, know enough about the Bible. I, you know, whatever that is, fill in the blank for you. I want to have an opportunity for us just to grab somebody and say, would you please pray for that for me? It can be simply one word. You can say, shame. And that person's going to pray for shame. Okay? The other thing, you may have a couple names on your heart already of people that you know, like they don't know Jesus like this. And whoever that person is, you might just want to grab somebody and say, would you just pray with me for these two names? And and that's what we're going to do. We're going to minister to one another. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To support our work, you can like, share, subscribe, or you can donate at rind-church.org.